I, I want to keep it brief today because I understand there are kids in the audience. I understand it's going to be a busy, busy day today. For those of us involved with the uh, Kids Crusade, I also know that uh, some of you have been here already uh, hour upon hour preparing for the Kids Crusade and you're tired. But I do have a message, at least I want to start a message today, I'll only present half of it, but I want you to listen real carefully and closely as we continue the study that we started last week from the book of Colossians. Last week we started a series that's going to take us verse by verse through this small New Testament book called the Letter to the Colossians. It's a book that focuses on the incomparable Christ. It's a, it's a book that reminds us, teaches us that it's Christ who is preeminent in all things, that it's Christ who rules and reigns over everything that is, was, and will be, that it's Christ who is our everything. It's Christ who is our all in all. He is our creator. He is our savior. He is our king. I'm afraid we've lost sight of that in today's church. We think somehow the universe revolves around you and me. It doesn't. The universe revolves around Jesus. Let's get that straight at the very beginning. It's all about him, not about us. And Paul writes this little letter to the church at Colossae. And as far as we know, Paul never actually visited this little town of Colossae for himself. A man named Epaphras was one to the Lord through Paul's ministry. And, uh, and it was Epaphras that took the gospel to this little town called Colossae and planted a church that existed there. So Paul didn't know the Colossian people himself. They didn't know him. He didn't know them. And when Paul wrote this little letter, he was actually in jail. We don't know where he was in jail. Some think he was in jail in Rome. Others think that he was still in jail in Ephesus. But what, wherever he was, we do know that he was imprisoned somewhere for preaching the gospel. And and when he was there, this man, Epaphras, came to visit his friend Paul while in jail. And during that visit, Epaphras shared some of the problems that were beginning to develop in this Colossian church. So Paul writes this little letter, only four short chapters. How many of you took, took the chance to read through it a couple times at least this week? Good. So it's real short. It's real good. Some of you posted some comments about it, and I know it, it's already kind of captured your heart a little bit. Paul wrote this little letter to address these problems found in this Colossian church. And to understand what these problems were about, you need to know a little bit about Colossae itself. Colossae was a rather small town located in what we now call the country of Turkey. What happened in Turkey this weekend? Anybody know? There was a military coup that was attempted, it was put down, and now those people are going to go through an incredible time of oppression. The government in control is actually uh, Islamist-centered, they're Muslims, and they are now going to be taking the, the country of Turkey, I believe, even more toward uh, Muslim uh, rule and authority. So uh, look for more trouble to happen in Turkey in the days ahead. The military was trying to rescue it from Islamist control, but that was squashed. Unfortunately, I don't want to be too political, uh, but unfortunately I think that our American government has taken the wrong approach to the, to the situation in Turkey. They're, as we often do, supporting the wrong people, and we are aggravating the problem there. Just 
that's my little take on it. But let's get back to Colossians, which is much better news. Man, this world's in turmoil, is it not? Last week, we were talking about policemen being shot and killed in Dallas. The week before that, we were talking about uh, the... Uh, there was something that went on the week. I was just thinking three or four weeks in a row. What? Orlando. That's right. Listen, y'all. You better get your hearts and minds focused on Christ because he's the only answer. He's the only answer and the only hope we've got. Colossae was a little town in what we now call Turkey. And it was considered a small town. It was not a large, thriving city. And even, even though it never really achieved the status of an Ephesus or a Corinth, what, what happened was Colossae was beginning to kind of on downhill slide, if you will. Colossae wasn't really a thriving town anymore. It was actually beginning a, a downhill decline, but it was located near a major trade route, kind of like Calera is located just off of I-65, okay? So we, we actually share, I think, a lot of similarities with this city, uh, this little town called Colossae. Colossae always had travelers passing through, and I... <laughs> They seem to be passing through down I-65, and they clog up right here in Kalir. Anybody been on I-65 lately? Oh, my Lord, the traffic. And none of them local. They're from New York and Michigan and Minnesota. I wish those Yankees would just stay home. Just saying. <laughs> I'm kidding. All you, all you recovering Yankees, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, don't look. Don't look. People from all over, all over the known world were passing through this little town of Colossae, and they would stop. They would stop, and they would engage the local Colossian people in conversations, and, and they would stop for food, for lodging, for whatever, for, to get a break during the travel. And while they were there, while these travelers were passing through, they would share with the Colossian people their ideas about religion, about God, about life, about spirituality, about philosophies. And, uh, and it was only natural that the people in this little town called Colossae were intrigued. They were fascinated by all these different ideas and philosophies that they were hearing from the uttermost parts of the earth. From the east came Hinduism and, and Buddhism and ideas of, uh, of karma and reincarnation. And then from the west, uh, from the west would come Greek philosophies and very humanistic philosophies and, and pagan kinds of philosophies about life. And Colossae was kind of the people passing through, sharing all these different ideas, that, that there are different ideas about God, different ideas about spirituality, different ideas about, uh, about what it takes to be right with the world and, and the God who, who is over it. And, uh, and so it was only natural from that that the local Colossian church, those who had put their trust in Jesus, as they, as they heard these new ideas, they began to embrace some of them. They began to believe some of those false teachings and those untrue philosophies that they were hearing because it sounded good. It sounded good. You ever heard a lie that just sounded good when you heard it? Sounded right. That's reasonable. Yeah, I, I think I could believe that only to find out later, man, it was a pack of lies. Well, that's what was going on here in, the, in, the, in this church in, Coloss in uh, Colossae. Uh, it's kind of like what happens to a lot of us when we get on the internet. And we begin to we begin to explore what uh, you know what the ideas that are out there regarding the Bible and God and spirituality, and we begin to see, man, you know, there are a lot of different ideas floating around out there about how we're supposed to live our life and who God is and why Christ came and how Christ works in us today and 
And they're just a lot. Let me just tell you something. Don't believe, just because it's on the internet, it's not true. I hope you figured that out already. And just because it sounds reasonable and rational doesn't make it so. It may be completely unscriptural, but I'm telling you what, the, uh, the internet has brought, I have encountered more nonsense, heresy, if you will, over the last several years because of the explosion of the internet. I've had to sit down and have frank conversations with people that what they are teaching and what they are telling others they now believe is outright heresy. It's going to take you down a road. I've never had to do that. Never, until recently, because of the internet. Again, let me say, just because it's on the internet and just because they have a scripture and a ministries in the title of their name doesn't mean they're telling you the truth. Please listen. Please be careful. And that's kind of where we're headed here. The people in, in this Colossian church began to embrace some of these new ideas and philosophies and, and uh and it was beginning to pervert, corrupt the gospel message in this church. These new teachings, and here's what, here what uh, false teachings tend to do. And you can identify a false teacher primarily by this one thing. They take the focus off of Christ and they put it somewhere else. If someone is telling you something and they're no longer fo focusing on Christ, but saying you need Christ and this, or Christ and that, if they're, doing, if, if they're denying the divinity of Christ, if they're denying his power, if they're denying his, his, uh, his uh, preeminence, if they're denying his supremacy, if they're denying his, his ability to meet every need in your life, and they're saying, yeah, Jesus is good, but you also need, or you also need, or you ought to do, or you don't need to do, if they're taking our, your eyes off of Christ, more than likely... 99.9% .9 sure it's wrong. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. All, say it with me, all about Christ. Man, we've got to get that locked into our minds and hearts. You see, these new teachings that the Colossian church were embracing, and some of the new teaching I see being uh, embraced today by people who ought to know better are taking the focus off of the incomparable Christ and his preeminence and his sufficiency and they're trying to put our focus on other things. They'll say, you need more than Christ to live a full and abundant life. You need to have this special experience to truly know what real spiritual fullness is. Or they'll say, you need more than Christ to be forgiven and free. You need to know this special secret or go through this special ceremony to really enjoy spiritual freedom. Or they'll say, you need more than Christ to make you holy. You need more than Christ to break that addiction. You need to work harder. You need to pray more. You need to fast more. You need to follow more rules. You need to beat this earthly body into submission. And I am telling you, Colossians gets our minds off of all that nonsense and reminds us Christ is more than enough. He is all we need. Christ, Christ, Christ is all we need. Now we're going to go into more detail later in chapter 2, I believe Paul gets into it, into more detail about uh, these false teachings. But suffice it to say that Paul writes this letter to the Colossian church to combat this error that we need more than Christ to save us 
that we need more than Christ to free us, that we need more than Christ to make us holy. Again, let me say, guys, this is the truth. Christ is all we need. Would you say it with me again? Christ is all we need. Now personalize it. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. We don't need anything else, and we don't need anyone else but Christ. We are complete in Christ. We are perfected in Christ. We are fulfilled in Christ. We are set free in Christ. He is the incomparable Christ. There is no other, and He is all we need. Now this morning, we're just going we're gonna to start taking a look at the first two verses, and you're thinking to yourself, oh my Lord, is He ever going to get through this? Yes, we are. I'm going to present half of it to you today and then half of it uh, to you to, uh, next, not tomorrow, next week. We're just going to look at the first two verses here. We're going to read them and only really look at verse number one. Colossians 1, 1 through 2 says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in, in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Let me read that again. Tell you what, why don't you read it with me? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you for the power of this word, and I pray in the name of Jesus you would bring it to life in us today. Father, we need to stop letting people tear our attention and our affection away from you. We want to focus on you and you alone. We know you are the answer and the hope to all that we have and all that we need. God, you're it. Jesus, Jesus, help us. Spirit of God, help us today to focus only on Jesus, only on this Christ, this Christ who is preeminent above all things, supreme above everything. Help us to see Christ as the answer, as Christ being all that we need. God, stop our ears from hearing the lies, and we only want to hear your voice. So speak to us today through your word. Speak to us today through your word until all of our attention and all of our affection is focused on you where it belongs. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for stepping out of the glory of heaven and coming to live among us. Thank you for taking our sin upon yourself on that cross. Thank you for dying and paying the penalty for the things that we did. Thank you for rising from the grave on that third day. Thank you for ascending back to the Father where you rule and reign over everything. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify you today. Be glorified in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's so easy to pass by these couple of verses and think, well, man, there's nothing to that. Let's move on to something else with more substance. But I want you to understand that these two verses provide more than just a brief salutation to, uh, from Paul to the Colossian church. These two verses are more than just a formal beginning to a letter. They're more than just a greeting. These two verses, these two verses are packed with all kinds of meaning. And in these two verses, Paul begins to stake out for himself and for, for those Colossian believers why Christ is all we need. In these two verses, Paul presents a couple of powerful truths that begin to undermine the errors that the Colossian church had begun to believe, errors that were leading the Colossian church away from the Lord. And if we don't get hold of these two truths that are here, we're going to talk about one of them today. 
But if we don't get hold of these two truths for ourselves, we will be susceptible to all the false teaching that lies around us today. So I'm asking you to really hone in on what God is trying to say to you today through these verses, through these truths, so that you can begin to distinguish for yourself the truth from the lies. I'm done watching my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, buy into the lies of this world. I am done watching them wreck their lives because they have believed something that wasn't true. Yes, it may have come from a pulpit of a church. It may even now be proclaimed in a church service today, and probably is, these heresies, these ideas that we've got to get our eyes off of Christ on something else. I'm telling you, if you begin to follow the lies, it will lead to self-destruction. I'm just saying. It always, heresy always leads in the wrong direction. All right. I'm sorry, I'm passionate about this because I'm tired of watching it happen over and over again. In these two verses, Paul, first of all, makes a claim about himself. And in the second verse, he stakes out the true identity of everyone who believes in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. We're only going to focus today on this first verse where Paul makes a claim about himself. In verse 1, Paul says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Say that with me. By the will of God. Paul, in this first verse, asserts his authority as an apostle of Christ, as one who has been sent by Christ to represent Christ. That's what an apostle is. An apostle is one who is sent. Now remember, Paul has never met these people that he's talking to. He's never met us either, has he? Anybody ever met Apostle Paul? No, we haven't. But And so Paul is introducing himself to you and me today as well. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God. They don't know him personally. So Paul is beginning to describe himself, making a claim about himself to these people. He's essentially saying this. He's essentially saying this. This is Mark Davis's amplified version of verse 1. I am Paul. I am an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And what I'm about to say to you has divine authority behind it. What I will teach you in this letter is not my opinion. What I will teach you in this letter is not my personal belief. What I am teaching you in this letter is not a product of my imagination. What I am about to tell you is the very truth of God. This is the word of God. So everything you read from this point on, recognize it and receive it for what it is, the very word of God. You get it? That amplified version? Now, this has got to remind us of something. It ought to remind us of the authority of Scripture in our own lives. This ought to remind us that this book, which is down here, here's my book, that we call the Bible, isn't just some kind of historical collection that we study for its liter literary purposes. This book is the Word of God delivered once and for all to us by God himself. This is our authority in all matters of life and death. This is our authority. 
because it's spoken to us by God who inspired people to write it down in black and white so that people like you and me could read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, and put it into practice so that we might be the people God has called us to be. Loving God as He has revealed Himself to be. Here's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of people putting words in God's mouth. You want to know who God is? Here it is. He tells you who He is. He tells you what He's like. He describes Himself for us. He reveals Himself through stories in which He has interacted with people. These are his, there, there are historical narratives in here that shows us how He deals with people, how He woos them, how He leads them, how He trains them, disciples them. You want to know God? Stop letting people put words in His, in, in their, in his mouth. You let God speak for Himself. He speaks, to him, he speaks about himself in this word. This Bible is our authority in all matters of life and death. And when we read the Bible, listen. When we read the Bible, it doesn't come with any arguments trying to convince us that this is what it is. It simply says, this is, my, this is the word of God. Listen to it. Oh, there are all kinds of ways we could test and validate the fact that this Bible is infallible, inerrant. We could, I, could, I could lead you in any number of external tests that prove that, the, the, that what the Bible says is true. I could point out to you some of the internal evidence that would help us believe that the Bible is true. But what it boils down to is this. You're either going to receive it as God's word or you're not. You see, it's self-evident. This is the word of God. And one of the primary external evidences we have, if you will, that it is true is because it testifies to our hearts. When you read this Bible, there's something about it that lets you know, man, it's true. It reveals us for who we are. It reveals the sin in our lives. It reveals how broken and how fallen we really are. When you read this Bible, it's like holding up a mirror and seeing yourself for who you really are. It rings true. It rings true. How many of you can say that? You know that. I was talking with Sean this week, and he was telling me how much he loves to read the Bible, and he was, that's exactly what he was saying, although not quite that way. He was saying, man, when you read the Bible, you really find out about yourself. It testifies to our hearts. It's this Bible that presents to us God's plan to save us, it's this, and we know it. We, it, it rings true. When we read this word, it, it reveals to us God's love for us, and it rings true. When, when we read this word, it, it reveals God's plan to make us holy, to make us his sons and daughters, not just in name, but in fact. In, we, we read it, and we know it's true. This word is self-evidently true. Scripture shows us, what it, that it shows us itself what it claims to be. It is the very word of God, and our responsibility, here's the key, our responsibility when we come to this word is to, is to receive it for what it is. To receive it for what it is. And I think most of us here in this, in this uh, service today would agree that the Bible is the word of God. We would at least intellectually agree, that, yeah, that, that's the word of God. I believe that's the, uh, the, the Bible is the word of God. I doubt that there are very many in this room today 
who, who struggle or who, who outright reject the authority of God's Word. How many of you today understand the Bible's the Word of God? You just believe that. Good, 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 good. All of us in this room, that's the Word of God, man. The Bible is the Word of God. We say that to ourselves as an intellectual agreement, an intellectual assent to that. But I tell you what, there are many of us in this room today, we may not struggle with the authority of God's Word, but we struggle with apathy about it. And we're indifferent toward it. We may accept that the Bible is the Word of God, but honestly, we deny its authority in our lives because we continue to live in ways that contradict it. We may admit that this Bible is the Word of God, but frankly, most of us don't even know what it really says. Just being honest, I sit in classrooms with 16, 17, and 18 year old kids that have grown up in church, and most of them don't have a clue about what the Bible really says about God, about sin, about the things that are most important to us. What's my purpose here in life? They can't even really answer it from a biblical vantage point. Now, they can tell you from an entertainment point of view what their purpose might be and what sin might be if there is such a thing. We may admit that this Bible is the Word of God, but many times we don't know what it says, and even if we do, we don't receive it as the final authority. We just go on and live the way we want to live anyway. Am I getting real here? I had a physical exam this week, the first one I've had in maybe 30 years. Physical exam. They took a blood sample. Why do doctors always want your blood? I, I never have any, anyway. The report came back, and I was perusing it yesterday, looking at it, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what do all these numbers mean? Because they come out with a boatload of numbers, and you don't know what any of them mean. And, and it came back that I have high triglycerides and high non-HDL cholesterol. Now, me not having a clue what that meant, I did a little research on my own, and uh, high triglycerides and, non and high levels of non-HDL cholesterol mean that if I don't adjust my lifestyle, then I run a, a high risk of developing heart disease. I don't want heart disease. You know what I'm saying? So. As I did some more research about the numbers that I got from that report, I discovered this. I have got to stop eating so much sugar, and I have got to stop eating so much red meat, beef, and pork, and, and, uh, and I need to get outside and exercise more in order to get those numbers down. I've got to adjust my lifestyle. If I want to get those numbers down where they belong, if I want to continue to live a nice, healthy life, which I have enjoyed for these 55 years, I've got to make some adjustments to my lifestyle or else. Or else. Do you guys even know how much I love candy and ice cream? Do you know? <laughs> Do you know how much I love a good hamburger and a medium rare uh, uh, ribeye? 
Do you even know how much I love it? Do you even know how much I hate to run and exercise? Do you know? But see, I got a choice here. I got a choice. I can receive the report as true and accurate and authoritative and act on it or else. Or else. I can change the way I live. I can adjust my lifestyle in order to bring those numbers down and, and to continue to live in good health based on what that report says about me or else. Look, you can take this word as authoritative and put what it says into practice and live or else. Or else. You can see the Bible for what it is. Recognize this is the word of God. And God loves me and God's for me. He's not against me. He wants me to enjoy the blessings of salvation. He wants me to enjoy an abundant and full lifestyle here today so that I can spend an eternity with him tomorrow. You can take it for what it is and adjust. Make the changes. Do what's necessary to obey it. Or else. Your choice. Is that making sense? Or else. Choose you this day who you will serve. The choice is ours. Look, I don't want you to see this book as something you've got to trudge through. I want you to see this book as God speaking to you personally, engaging you in a dialogue, a conversation, teaching you who he is, teaching you what he's like, teaching you what you're like. And can I tell you something? You may not always like what he has to say. But will you see it as authoritative? And when you come across something you don't like, will you take an extra hard look at it and ask yourself, why, why don't I like this? What is it about me that needs to make an adjustment to change so that I embrace what it says and don't turn away from it? Does that make sense? See, a lot of us struggle with that, don't we? We like to read the parts of the Bible that make us feel good. I love the promises of God. But you notice that most of the promises of God have some kind of if you will attached to it. There's a condition attached to it. We're quick to quote the promises, but we're not as quick to quote the conditions. We're certainly not quick to obey them. And then we wonder why God didn't come through. Come on. I've sat in too many counseling sessions. People blaming God for the mess they had created themselves. Where was God when? Well, what stupid decision put you there? Did God make you? Did he take you by the hand and... No, you made the choice to dig a hole for yourself, and now God, in his grace and mercy, if you will listen to him, receive his word, put his word into practice, God, by his grace and mercy, will help get you out of that hole and get you going again. We need to see this word for what it is, man. This is the word of God. 
This is the word of God, and every word of it is true. We have a choice. Do we receive it, or do we reject it? Listen, I believe that's why so many today are being led astray from the truth of this gospel. Because we, for whatever reason, just don't want to see it for what it is. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. For whatever reason, maybe through a lack of Bible study or a lack of Bible understanding, or simply through neglect and indifference toward the Bible, we see people headed down paths toward divine judgment and destruction because most people choose the else rather than receive the report and change. I believe that's why so many of us today are falling for unbiblical ideas and unbiblical doctrines because they don't know the Bible well enough to distinguish truth from error. So they follow teachers who tell them what they want to hear. And they follow teachers who are self-proclaimed apostles. Who was Paul called by? By the will of God. Do you have any doubt in your mind today when you read the book of Colossians that what he said was true? Was Paul called by the will of God? Absolutely. Can I tell you what? I hear so many so-called self-proclaimed apostles today who have not been called by the will of God. They've been called by the will of men and the will of money. And we buy into it because they may say what we want to hear. They make us feel good about ourselves. They kind of cover over the truth, give us just enough truth to make it palatable, but it's just encased with a bunch of lies. 2 Peter chapter 2 warns us about these false teachers, and they're everywhere. They're on the internet, they're on TV, they're, they're selling books in the bookstores, they're, they're standing in pulpits like this one. False teachers everywhere today. Peter warns us about them. Listen to what he has to say. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way... They will bring sudden destruction on themselves, and many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Look, this Bible, listen to me. Y'all, listen to me. Listen, receive this word for what it is, or else. Okay? This Bible is our authority in all matters of life and death. This Bible is our authority in all matters of life and death. And anything you hear from me or any other person who claims to teach the Bible should be measured against the standard of this word. Listen, I would hope to never say anything that would mislead you, but I'm capable of it. I would hope I would never mislead you intentionally, for sure. Unintentionally, I hope not, but I'm capable of it. When we get finished every Sunday morning, you need to take this word out, get the podcast, get the notes that you took or whatever, take it out and start searching it and say, did what Pastor Mark say today, was that true? Does it ring true? Does it bear up under the scrutiny of Scripture? When I, when I, when I come to it with what I know about the word, 
this word. Listen. Is our standard against against which we measure every teaching that we hear regarding God. Listen, that means this primarily. That's where, this is where I'm heading here. That means that you need to know what the Bible says for yourself. Amen. Now, when you're a baby, first born into the world, you need a mama that feeds you. But at some point, mama's got to stop feeding you, and you need to start feeding yourself. Um, you got to know what the Bible says for yourself. You've got to fall in love with the Word of God for yourself. You should be studying it yourself. You should be reading it yourself. You should be meditating on it yourself. You should be putting it into practice yourself. Or else. Or else. You need to study the Word of God, the Bible, so that you can distinguish for yourself truth from error. I wish I could sit with you every time you get on the Internet and start doing a Scripture search. And I could look at you and say, yeah, website, nah, 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 that, that teacher, nah, 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 that, nah, 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 oh, yeah, that's good, read that. I can't do that. Man, you're being exposed to so much garbage right now. And it just infuriates me when I hear some of the things come out of people's mouths that ought to know better. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about pastor friends who post stuff on, on Facebook. And I'm like, where, where did you get that? When did God ever make that statement? And why are you representing that as coming from the, from the heart of God to his people? I know Facebook's not the right way to, to uh, confront, at least on the, I don't even know the terms. I have, I've had to message some of my friends, and I'm willing to receive any messages from them if I, if I seem to step outside uh, what's truly scriptural and what's heresy. I, I'm willing, I am willing, I'm willing to be confronted. But listen, here, I, I, I'm, I'm running off track. I guess here's, here's where I want to take it. I, I, I'm going to ask you personally. I want you to examine yourself, and I want, the Holy, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help examine your, yourself right now as it regards your relationship with, his, with God's Word. Are you in love with the Word of God? Are you in love with it? I mean, do you, do you enjoy spending time in it? And even if you don't necessarily enjoy it, are you in love with it so much that you're committed to spending time with it? Those of us who've been married for more than a couple of years, you know, sometimes the feelings of love may, not, may or may not be there anymore. You know, I'm talking the emotion. But you wake up committed to that wife or that husband anyway, right? Are you committed to the word in the same way? Do you love it in such a way that it's reflected, your love is reflected by your commitment to it? Or are you just indifferent or even apathetic toward it? Are you studying the word for yourself, or do you wait for Sundays and Wednesdays to come along so maybe Pastor Mark can throw a nugget out there that you latch on to, or so that Chris can say something that kind of captures your attention for a couple minutes? Are you studying it for yourself, or, or are you simply taking at face value what someone else says about it? Well, that's what, that's what the pastor said. Well, the pastor's an idiot. Don't listen to him anymore. <laughs> How do you even know if they're telling you the truth? How do you even know? 
if you're not studying the word for yourself, how do you even know if what they're saying is true? It may sound good, but you and I know sounding good and being true are two different things. Any of you ever dealt with a used car salesman, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, as you become more and more familiar with the Word of God, as your life conforms itself more and more to the Word of God, you are going to be able to discern for yourself the gospel truth from all these falsehoods and lies and weird philosophies and crazy beliefs that people have. As you learn the Word for yourself, you will be able to see for yourself, man, that's garbage. And I'm telling you, what it all boils down to is this. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. Christ. Supreme over everything. Preeminent over all. Christ, your King. Christ, your Lord. Christ, your Savior. It's all about Christ. Darian, there's a little video. I've got it. I hope you set it up. As you read this Bible for yourself, as you study it for yourself, you're going to see Christ on every page. I'm telling you. You're going to see Christ on every page. This story that we call the Bible reveals to us Christ. Shows us who Christ is. Shows us what Christ has done. Shows us why Christ did it. And shows us everything we need to know to enjoy a relationship with God through Christ. You're going to see Christ in every page. This world reveals Christ to us. This word reveals his power this word reveals his wisdom his glory his love this world will show you who he is and who you are in the light of him this word this word reveals christ this is an old human video and this is the best version i could find and if i'd had time to get miss lorna to put it together for us we'd do it and we'd do it a whole lot better than this but I think it illustrates clearly what I'm trying to say here today. Do you want to know Jesus? Do you really want to know Jesus? There's only one way to really get to know Jesus, and that's by the Holy Spirit leading you through this word, revealing him to you. Watch this.